0: I'll tell the story, maybe even write a book about my many phobias. But until then, I'll tell you a few of them. I'm scared of the dog, so I sleep with the lights on, forget that I'm 39, and getting married next year. I'm scared of water, so I don't swim, which is embarrassing for someone from the Nanja Delta region. I'm scared of cats, apologies to cat lovers, but every time I see one, I hear my mother's voice in my head saying something like, Never look a cat in the eye. It will spit on you and you'll go blind. I'm scared of being stuck in traffic. Every time that happens, I feel like the rest of the world is on the move and I'm just stuck in that one spot going nowhere. At other times, I'm in traffic, my mind starts to wander and I have ugly thoughts like a suicide bomber appearing from nowhere and there's no place to take cover because my car is sandwiched between two large trucks or something like that. At other times I'm in traffic, I imagine a robbery attack and the robbers having a field day because in the midst of all the chaos going on and the rapid gunfire it's impossible to shelter in place in an open vehicle that is right there in the middle of all the action. These are my phobias. I've said some because there's more. The sound of thunder, chopping things with a sharp knife, masquerades and cockroaches of any size, and I haven't even mentioned the biggest of them all, flying. I have a phobia for flying. Experts in behavioral science, and people who study and name such things call it aviophobia or therial theromoph- The name doesn't really matter. It's the way the fear consumes me and makes me act crazy. That's the real problem. The few times I've flown and the reason I vowed never to fly again was because every single time panic sets in days before I'm scheduled to travel and then on the eve of my departure, I don't even sleep a wink. That thing in the body that makes people anxious and afraid gets activated long before I arrive at the airport and in the plane, I experienced a near-fatal panic attack that affects my breathing, so much so that it takes the combined efforts of the entire cabin crew and other passengers on board to calm me down. Knowing this about myself, I had to stop flying. But the demands of life and my job meant that traveling was inevitable. I might have boycotted airplanes and airports completely, but that didn't translate to an outright travel ban for me so in order to move from one part of Nigeria to another in a timely fashion I had to devise a reasonably priced yet comfortable means of traveling I chose road travel but in doing so I had to face another fear I know I didn't mention it earlier but I also have a phobia for crowded places and cramped vehicles it was the reason I ditched the popular 14 seater commercial buses or even the ubiquitous Toyota Sienna family cars that carried between six to seven passengers depending on the whim of the driver or the operators of the transport company involved. Prioritizing comfort, the logic of saving costs was thrown out of the window when I lost the courage to fly. My preference was to travel solo, so I opted for a chartered vehicle with just me and the driver whenever I was visiting my fiancé in Lagos or attending a work-related program or meeting outside Port Harcourt. This one, I'll say next, isn't exactly a phobia, it's more of a habit. I get addicted to places and people quite easily and I have instances to prove this. In the last eight years, it has been the same place I go to have a haircut or shave my beard. I've only ever had one mechanic for my cars since i discovered this guy in Ikoku, my friends think he has programmed for parts of my car to malfunction whenever i get paid my salary but i don't believe them i mean isn't that why there's such a word as coincidence in the dictionary every saturday morning since i moved out of my parents house i must eat boiled yam and scrambled eggs And if my tibos aren't made by this one tailor in Ilabuchi that has made clothes for the men in my family for as long as I can remember, I'm not wearing them. When it comes to my trips, I can only patronize one man, Oga Desmond. Oga Desmond started driving me four or five years ago, I think. It was recommended to me by my sister, Jumba, and her husband, Benibo. Both avid travel bloggers and videographers, they were constantly on the move, discovering, exploring, and recommending exciting new holiday destinations to subscribers of their popular YouTube series, The Restless Lives of June and Ben. Oga Desmond had been the driver one time their restlessness took them on an adventure to a tourist site in Kogi state. They liked him, he liked them, so he became their first choice tour guide whenever they shot something new. Oga Desmond knew that I liked traveling alone so I was kind of surprised when he called me at around 4 pm yesterday to make a request. I thought this particular request was uncharacteristic of him. He took me to Lagos on Friday morning. I was the only one in the car with him. The plan was for him to take me back home on Monday morning with me being his only passenger as usual that's how it had always been why did he want to change things all of a sudden you see i was in lagos for the weekend to propose to my girlfriend of two and a half years Billy. at this point i'm tempted to digress and talk about how that went but i'll control myself and maybe talk about it some other time anyway back to my story Desmond calls me i and my wife to be a chilling in her house. He wants me to help him help one of his regular customers who was also in Lagos but had to be in Port Harcourt the next day as well. At first I was he- hesitant, but he explained to me that this person he wanted me to assist was elderly and very respectable. He told me he had known her and her husband for many years, and just like me, she had a phobia for flying and would only travel by land. Again, like me, even with the whole land thing, he said she has serious stress issues and would only embark on a road trip if he was the one taking her. Oga Desmond begged and begged. He said she had a family emergency or something to that effect. He said I had nothing to fear because she was a good person and he could vouch for her. What swayed me, however, was money. When Oga Desmond told me that she was willing to bear the cost of the charter, and that I didn't have to pay anything, I gave in immediately. For this buare economy, who not like money? Anyway, back to my story. At 4.30 sharp, my phone rang. Good morning, Oga Fire. Ade Yogeto. I kissed Kambili, grabbed my bag, and headed out to join Oga Desmond. We drove in silence from Adeniro or Gusonya in Surulere to Ozumba by the in Victoria Island oga desmond had told me the passenger was on the island he didn't tell me she was staying at the radisson blue hotel i was impressed maybe even a tad bit intimidated at this point at exactly five o'clock she walks out through the door of the hotel in her 60s possibly even 70s the woman was tall and elegantly dressed her flowing ankle length gown was colorful yet simple the different shades of yellow and brown splattered on the Ankara fabric of her dress accentuated her dark skin. She screamed class from afar and I thought to myself, she'd be perfect in the role of a rich wife and mother in an Hollywood movie. But as she came closer to where Agardesmon and I were packed, I noticed the bags underneath her eyes and that her smile was forced. I also noticed something else, she wasn't alone. There was another woman about her height walking beside her. I believe the reason I missed that earlier in spite of this person's height was because she was dressed from head to toe in a black burka or at least something that looked like one. I glanced at Desmond as if to say what's the meaning of this. I noticed him trying hard not to look at me and I'm infuriated maybe even afraid. Would I be traveling from Lagos to Port Harcourt with someone whose face I can't see? who's this person dressed like this what if they were no i told myself not to think it i may not be a praying man but i know my parents are and they pray for me all the time besides i trusted Olga Desmond not to put me in harm's way we had become family i met his wife and seven kids he was at my engagement party on saturday there was no way he'd be part of a ploy to kidnap or kill me Maybe to avoid addressing my unspoken fears, Oga Desmond left the car to help the two women with their luggage while they settled in behind me. Good morning, my son. Good morning, ma'am. Thank you all. Thank you for allowing us inconvenience you, small. Oga Desmond told us that you like traveling alone. We thank God, ma'am. I am Mrs. Afyung, by the way, she introduced herself, but the person in the bucket didn't. And you? What is your name and what do you do for a living? My name is Fayofori Jaja, and I'm a doctor, a psychiatrist actually. Wow, you're already a doctor at such a young age? Your parents must be very proud of you. You know, I always used to wonder how you people make your patients tell you their problems and all the things they have bottled for years. I always tell couples in my church that there's nothing wrong with counseling and therapy and seeking professional help if their marriage isn't working I'm not as young as I look and second I'm not a therapist or a psychologist I'm a psychiatrist people (laughs) and there's a difference of course I didn't tell her any of those things I was just thinking them her comments weren't strange people said that to me all the time besides Kambila and I were texting she wanted to find out if I was safe And if i felt comfortable traveling with strangers i texted back that they looked harmless at least the one whose face i could see appeared so i heard the book click and her got back into the car he was going to restart the engine but madame afiong stopped him she said we should pray first she began with a chorus it was a song about the blood of jesus my mother used to sing around the house when we were kids she sang it in almost every morning devotion and when there was a problem in the family that required god's intervention my father sang it too after the solo rendition from mrs afyong she proceeded to pray for the driver and those of us riding with him she sprinkled blood on all of us and parts of the vehicle that didn't have any business being wet all i could think of as she prayed were the disastrous things that could happen to us if blood and petrol suddenly got mixed together in the car engine or if we truly became invincible to other drivers on the road like she asked God for. After 8 minutes, I was counting, Ogad Desmond and I chorused Amen-o and our journey began. I thought I'll stay awake all through but I fell asleep even before we got to Ajota. When I woke up, it was bright and the sun was out. I looked behind and saw the two women in the back seat fast asleep i brought out my copy of the days of silence by angel patrick and began reading i was in chapter seven of the book when i felt a hand on my shoulder it was mrs afyong doctor do you know where we are now i think we're almost at ore thank you my son so where are you from i didn't ask the other time i'm from river States opobo oh okay i returned to my novel but this time i couldn't concentrate on what i was reading mrs afiong was on her phone she spoke in a language she thought i wouldn't understand because i told her i was from opobo if only she knew my mother was Calabar, and that i could understand everything she was saying to the person on the other end of the phone i don't think she'd have kept on with the conversation about her daughter eka and what was going on in her life it was a lot but i'll summarize her daughter had married this guy she began dating when she was in the university at the time he was a struggling record producer known only in port harcourt after her graduation from the university she auditioned for big brother africa and was selected to represent nigeria at the show in south africa she didn't win but the platform gave her a access to rich and famous people eka had become a celebrity with a fan base of loyal women and men rooting for her success in the country's entertainment industry eka had become a big girl yet her newly found fame and celebrity status didn't change her feelings for her boyfriend she loved him with all her heart and every time people offered to do something nice for her or give her an opportunity in the industry she'll tag him along through her connections, he got his first big break, producing three songs for Olamide, two for the Peace Square Brothers, and one for Two Facedibia Idibia, within the space of six months. Two years after she appeared on the show, through her connections, he got his first big break, producing three songs for Olamide, two for the Peace Square Brothers, and one for Two Facedibia within the space of six months. Two years after she appeared on the show in South Africa, and one year after the Nanjuan music scene took notice of her boyfriend, the two of them tied the knot in a small ceremony. His thinking was that if people knew she was married so soon after the show, they might not want to associate with her as freely as they used to or invite her to places only single ladies were wanted. Before long, her husband was spotted by recording companies abroad and he began producing songs for A-list international acts. He traveled all over the world, writing songs, and making music that went gold and platinum in record time. When pictures of him in the company of light-skinned women began surfacing online, Eka bleached her skin because she thought it was what he wanted. When he progressed to hanging out with voluptuous women, she had her body done in the hopes that being curvaceous, for him would bring her superstar husband home and rekindle his attraction for her but it didn't seem to please him. Eka's confidence was gone and she wanted her husband back. He loved her children and he said he loved her too but by cheating on her publicly, he was being disrespectful. Privately, things weren't any better. He was a horrible husband who treated her badly. What was worse was him forgetting that if it wasn't for her he wouldn't even have been the superstar he was. His career would have gone nowhere had she not sacrificed hers for his. She became a stay-at-home mom so he could freely mingle and go anywhere his skills were needed. Eka felt she had invested too much in him and in their marriage to give it all up. She thought losing him meant She had lost herself and it drove her to desperation she thought she knew her husband she she thought she knew what he wanted and she was ready to give it to him because she knew who his celebrity crush was Eka decided to use that information to her advantage long before he became rich and famous long before he became the hot shot music producer sought after by the best of the best He had told her one night, he was quite tipsy, that if he ever became successful and he met this person, there was nothing he wouldn't do to spend at least one night with her. Eka never forgot that night. She never forgot her name or her face. She traveled to Turkey without telling anyone. When she came back, her face was gone. She had become this person her husband fantasized about. Mrs Afyung's story made me angry and sad at the same time because when her son-in-law saw his wife's face it made him really mad. So mad he hit her and it wouldn't be the first time. Mrs Afyung's trip to Lagos was to report him to the police and take her daughter back with her to Port Harcourt. He still has the children, she concluded to the person she was talking to on the phone, but it wouldn't be for long. We arrived at Port Harcourt around 2 in the afternoon. Oga Desmond decided to drop me off first since I live in Rumu and Mrs. Afyong and the woman in the boker, who was silent all through the journey, were going to New Jerry. I grabbed my bag from the boot of the car and said my goodbyes to the driver and his two passengers. Few minutes after I got home, I was contemplating whether or not to take a shower before making lunch. I heard the doorbell ring. I went to get it, wondering where it could be since I hadn't called any of my friends to let them know I was back. Hi, it was Boko Lady. And she could speak. Hi, you forgot your novel. My mother insisted that we brought it back immediately. The driver noticed. Thank you, I I said sheepishly. Thank you too. It was really kind of you allowing us join a vehicle you had hired for yourself, she said, taking off her veil. My jaw dropped. My jaw dropped to the ground. She was. She was. If I didn't know better, I would have sworn she was with her Dominic. And the moral of this story, if there's one, is that you should never see your beautiful through someone else's eyes. Be your own beautiful.